The Protect Your Neck Podcast, Episode 316, After Party Edition, recapping from top to bottom UFC 276 with Liam Picks Fights. Strap in, folks. Okay, I didn't get an error message, so I guess that means we're live, professional, I know. This is the Protect Your Neck Podcast. Of course, I'm your host, Dan Tom. Analyst is where you can find over at MMAJunkie.com. But on this year's program, we break down high-level MMA, and that's what we're going to do here today, tonight, whenever you're listening to this. It is after the fight. It is not just a recap show. It's a, an after-party edition, because it's right after... Uh, you know, uh, can confirm, uh, can either confirm nor deny any kind of partying in any ways on my side or the other. It's okay. No one's, uh, no one's under oath here, but, but we're here together to recap. And of course I got to have a guess. I failed on my camera and some other things this week, as well as having a, a guess for the breakdown. But like I said, it's either, or it's either for the breakdown or the recap. So we missed the breakdown. It's okay. I got my man. At Liam picks fights on Twitter uh, to to help break down the content. He he's a he's a writer, a grappler, a competitor, a content creator. Uh, you name it, this guy knows his stuff. Of course, you can find him uh, at places, of course, like Pub Sports Radio, uh, Roto Grinders, and uh, Score uh, at Scores Odds uh, over there. Those are the Twitter handles that I just gave. Liam, what's up, dude? Dan Tom, what's going on, my man? I say it all the time. If anybody follows me on Twitter, this is my favorite MMA analyst. So it's very uh, much a pleasure to be here. Uh, I, I'm truly uh, happy to break down these fights with you. I thought it was overall a great night of action. You know, it kind of uh, it was one of those fight cards that built up to a beautiful crescendo and then just ended with a whimper. Uh, but I did feel like overall we got treated to a, a great night of fights. And, you know, truly some uh, interesting betting opportunities. Um, so I, I'm happy to break it down with you, my man. Thanks for having me. Dude, it, it, it's, it's been awesome, man. Uh, there's plenty of people, like I've been saying on my show, that I'm due to have on. Um, probably people ahead of the queue. And, and, and I, don't worry, I will get you on. But this was a kind of a impromptu thing. And on that list, of course, was, was my guy Liam here. So, uh uh, Liam, you were telling me an interesting story about your shirt before you get going. That actually would be perfect for right now while I get this post going live so we can get some more people to join us in the chat. Uh, hopefully we keep it positive in there, and I'll definitely give you guys shouts as well. Uh, uh, regardless of how, how you did tonight, we're going to we're gonna go over it all. Liam, take, take, take the floor. Absolutely. Yeah, man, I just want to give a shout-out. My man Blake Perry, um, you know, he actually won – if you guys remember the Bellator Hawaii cards, uh, there was a huge upset to start off the night, uh, and it was my man Blake Perry came through with a big upset, uh, beat one of the Cooper brothers. He was a plus 750 underdog, and I had him on my show uh, for an interview where we discussed, uh, you know, the fact I trained with him in college and I knew him to be an extremely hard worker, uh, and I had actually went back and watched all the fight tape for him and his opponent, and I I realized that 
he was more experienced. You know, he just had a lot more fights uh, than the person he was fighting, and he had been finished uh, quickly by one of the other Cooper brothers in the past, right? He came up on the Hawaiian uh, regional scene. So I thought that they were kind of looking for a setup fight and thinking, hey, maybe this guy uh, won't be able to hang. But I try to tell people, my man, Blake Perry, when most people look for a way out, he finds a way in. And he did a great job that night, came back uh, from some adversity, some damage to his face, and was able to get the choke. And uh, he's got a big opportunity coming up on Fight Pass as well. So just wanted to give a big shout to my man. And I knew that you would uh, have some love for the Hawaiian uh, MMA scene repping. So uh, that's what I'm trying to do, man. Yeah, man, the Hawaiian MMA scene is uh, is a real deal. You know, records can be deceiving over there because a lot of them have to fight each other, obviously. Uh, the way it works, but you kind of breed. Uh, well, you, you do breed some uh, some tough competitors in an already tough scene. Uh, man, great shout! Um, yeah, we're gonna, you know, we'll recap the same way we break things down. At least on this program, we'll go from top to bottom. Um, you know, we'll save all excitement for you know that may, that way the you know the big fights get the excitement. Although we'll talk about the main event, right? Uh, there's definitely a lot of mixed feelings about that. Um, just real quick um, off the top as far as this show goes for people uh, piling in uh, to the chat we're getting some people watching some likes already some people were waiting cool feel free to, uh, to to pop in as we talk here but uh yeah I guess we went um nine two and one overall uh, which is good good ratio there you know right um, you know it could have been nine Heck and three yeah. you know we'll talk about that O'Malley and Munoz, uh, you know, depending on you know what you guys had and where it was going, you know, not not too much. You can you never know, but you, you know what I mean. I, I have some opinions. Perhaps Liam does too. Zero uh, and one in the straight play. Two and two in props. And the Alex Pereja long shot, even though he wasn't in it, just used that bow and arrow, uh, little scenery <laughs> there. Uh, of, of course, that that failed uh, in the beginning. I didn't even realize it did too, because I was like busy in the beginning of this card, kind of coordinating food. And uh, I was like, oh, yeah, I didn't realize, uh, you know, uh, Mooney's uh, haul uh, didn't go under, which we'll get to. Um, but, yeah, uh, let's go from the top. Israel Adesanya defeated Jared Cannonier by unanimous decision. Uh, let's see the scorecards here. Uh, I don't know if it looks I believe it was 50-45 and 49-46. Uh, yes, sir. Yeah. I don't know which judge had it which way, though. Did you have it scored a particular way, a strong opinion, uh, and, you know, as far as the result goes before we talk about bets and analysis? Uh, I think that, uh, you know, four rounds to one uh, is the, the score that makes the most sense to me. I thought round three was a Jared Cannonier round, uh, but I think that, you know, uh, to, to give any other round to him would be, uh, let's say, generous. I jokingly said on the Pub Sports radio stream, you know, Jared split decision. Uh, it just would have been the absolute trifecta. I think people would have lost their minds. Um, so that that for me uh, was more of a joke than anything. I think uh, overall it was a pretty easy fight to score for Adesanya, although it was not an easy fight to stay awake for. You know, uh, truth yeah. be told, here on the East Coast, my man, it was a uh, it was a fight where you you better have had something else to do or uh, you know maybe some food waiting for you in the kitchen if you wanted to watch that whole thing. Um, and keep your eyes peeled because it didn't really have an air of finality hanging over it. It, it kind of felt uh, a little bit lackluster from the jump. Yeah, I, I think about you know about round three is kind of when I when I tuned out. It was almost like uh, Adesanya kind of let. And it's been kind of a theme with, uh, with 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 some fights. Maybe another fight we'll talk about. 
and it can happen, right? You, you you let someone back into the fight, right? We we see it. Uh, we see it happen a lot, and I I don't know how how much I want to argue. You know, Cannonier scorecards effectiveness, or you know, his windows are glimmers of hope in the later rounds. Uh, not enough clearly to win the fight. But yeah, um, Adesanya obviously came out with the Undertaker thing, and, and he seemed like he was in the way he was talking. Uh, he was very intent, you know, uh, whether you want to say for his career because he needed the finish, or you know, the kind of uh, the way I was looking at it from a stylistic standpoint and therefore betting standpoint, uh, it was gonna, you know, a finish perhaps was gonna come to fruition there. And if it, you know, a random finish came the other way for Cannonier, I kind of I laid the under for that. And part of me was going to stay away from the under, and, you know, I know I should have, but uh, the listeners of this program know I said I was going to, Liam. I said I was going to lay at least two units. So uh, I figured my night was going to come down to uh, the main event nonetheless. I guess I kind of just – I always account for losses. I never expect to have, like, major killer nights. But uh, we'll get to the things that did hit. But thankfully, the things that did hit, you know, saved my butt early. I didn't need it. So I guess it hurt a little less, but it was still not entertaining nonetheless, right? Uh, w- w- the way the fight goes. And I'm a technical nerd, too. I love, I love the counters. I could see what he was doing. Uh, I could see the difficulties. I could, you know, A for effort, I even, like, uh, which I think most people wouldn't give him. But uh, it just, yeah, yeah. I'm not going to tell, you know, oh, you know, backseat driver over here and say, this is what you should have done or this or that. I'm just saying that I saw what he was trying to do and, Props for trying and didn't come out to a finish. I know he credited Cannonier for a lot of the things he and his team did right. You know, John Crouch, I'm glad he gave John Crouch a shout at the MMA lab. Uh, that guy definitely is underrated. He's been around for a while. So, Yeah, I, I tend to agree. Uh, I thought that, you know, what had impressed me about Jared, and, and to be honest with you, I took a bath on this fight, right? I, I had, I right. think, a, almost a five-unit loss on this fight. I, I had two units on the Cannonier money line. Um, at plus 400 and uh, I also had 2.3 units on the fight not to go the distance at minus 115 and so yeah I just plain and simple lost on this fight pretty good uh, thought the dynamic would be different kind of knew from second one that it wasn't going to be the fight I anticipated you know when I broke down this fight in my head I kind of just I try and put myself in the position of these athletes and uh, if I'm 38 years of age and not very marketable, like Terry Cannonier, with all due respect, and I do think, um, you know, a part of his marketability for this fight, uh, as as uh, somebody like Chael Sonnen would talk about, is like the fact that he keeps a mystique. He doesn't just give you like 10 interviews and this kind of thing. But I do feel like he kind of needed to sell out a little bit in this fight um, to look for a finish, to look. Uh, to get after this guy. And I think some of his tactics made a lot of sense because he tried to push him into the fence, hold on to him, keep him in a place where you can hit him, make the fight dirty. I think a lot of that made sense uh, tactically and stylistically. But I felt like when they were at distance, he was uh, very complacent um, for large portions of the fight. And I felt like that that was not going to be the style that was going to get it done. I thought he was going to have to uh, you know, kind of commit early in the fight when he's full of energy and very powerful to trying to uh, you know, sell out for shots that can end the fight. And early, he was backing Izzy towards the fence and letting him off the hook, letting him circle back to the center. And I just felt like that that was, for me, the indication that it wasn't going to be the fight I expected. Yeah, the clinching, too. You know, um, I, I didn't tweet it out make it as a big of a deal. I did talk about it a bit in my breakdowns. 
but yeah, Cannonier hasn't really gone for many takedowns um, in his career. So you know, I don't know how how much of the you could count on how much you know any of us could count on that. So when I saw him clenching, uh, you know, you're definitely not winning over the judges there. You're not going for takedowns, and uh, you know, to your point, you kind of smothered the work that maybe he could have been doing in some instances. Again, not to be uh, backseat drivers, but, uh, you know, we're, we're, we're breaking it down, man. We're breaking it down. Real quick, I just want to say this is episode 316, Austin 316. I just hear the Stone Cold playing in my head, which is apropos because everybody had, like, pro wrestling walkouts, you know, this this you know from the start of the card to the very finish, right? Well, I think they had uh, a bunch of WWE representatives sitting front seat, so uh, maybe that was, like, you know, part of the design of the show type of deal. But, yeah, it did feel a little bit... Uh, WWE-esque in, in the walkouts and like you mentioned from that very first fight I thought the Jessica Rose Clark uh, walkout looked like something right out of a uh, professional wrestling scene yeah, so, yeah. Um, yeah man right from beginning to end <laughs> I just feel bad for the if the winner is like the, the winner gets like Vince McMahon like a creepy offer you know uh, from Vince <laughs> McMahon you know? you know you know how those go you know it's like, like can you do this but uh, in my bedroom <laughs> What? <laughs> oh my gosh! Sorry, yeah, I didn't realize that of Vince McMahon he's there. On the outs. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if it was him or the rest of the business, but <laughs> I he heard just had this—he just had like a creepy heart stare, like it's, he's just stuck there from the plastic surgery. He's like, <laughs> and <laughs> almost like a not 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 as uh, not as bad as Mel Gibson's when they showed him getting his buzz level going early in the card. I don't know if you saw that, Liam. Uh, I didn't catch that, but. I I could imagine that a lot of celebrities show up to these shows and it's probably their first time watching a fight so bless their hearts <laughs> yeah yeah it's great uh, Chris Pratt by the way speaking of celebrities was not impressed he seemed kind of pissed he he definitely didn't seem like an Adesanya fan they had him on the post fight show he was just like yeah I was hoping Kenny would, would fuck him up and I was like whoa Star Lord <laughs> easy hey I mean shout out Chris Pratt I felt the same way brother Tough, tough night for us. Yeah, hey, I appreciate him being, uh, you know, candid, right? Um, yeah. You know, hey, I, I, you know what I'm saying? Just if you hey, didn't I enjoy Jared it, say it. I get the American dream. That's what I was hoping for, man. I was like, this guy, he moved from Alaska. Hey, he's going to get the American dream at 38 years of age. This is this was my idea for the fight, but was it to be. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I had uh, Izzy TKO uh, for a unit plus 140 or something in the under. So it's funny, these swings and gambling, right? Like if I didn't add the two-unit bet on the under, that's a two-unit profit. Or if, you know, um, Izzy TKOs him, even if it, you know he TKOs him you know, at the very last 30 seconds of the fight, so where the under misses, uh, that's another two-unit swing, right? I mean, the crazy swings in this game, what you do take, what you don't, and so far and uh, so forth and so forth. Can't even speak. That's late. Sorry, I'm getting some water. That might help. Jeez. <laughs> I agree, though, man, uh, because I I thought that the under uh, would be a hedge for me. Like, I thought the fight not to go the distance was, like, accounting for, all right, Izzy's just faster, he's the better guy, you know, they're going to spend this at 25 minutes at distance, somebody's yeah. getting caught. Wasn't to be. <laughs> yeah. All right, uh, let's push on. It was still, uh, again, still winning night, uh, winning night nonetheless, uh, you know, just over profit. I'll take it, man. That's a winning night to me, not getting... You know, not getting, uh, avoiding the, uh, you know, the shower scene from American History X as I put it uh, last podcast. Um, they didn't get me this time, uh, so <laughs> there we go. I'll take it. Um, I well, I mean, well, phrasing. <laughs> Let's move on to this next fight. Alexander Volkanovski defeated Max Holloway. Be an end of his decision. Uh, predicted him to win by decision, but you know, I guess I like many. I guess uh, expected a more competitive. 
you know, a more competitive fight, which is why I didn't hate anyone betting Max. Um, Hart was with Max and the Hawaiians, of course, man. But as an analyst, that you got to try to be as unbiased as you can. It's always hard, right? It just felt like Volkanovski would, you know, would leave the uh, builder on the job site without any building supplies, and that's kind of what we got. I don't, I don't know how much if it was Volkanovski hitting the faster button uh, throughout the fight, because uh, you know people can do that. Um, I think it was just his really good boxing. I think we. I think if you want to accuse maybe Holloway of being slower or the mile stuff there, that's definitely subjective stuff y'all can play with. I'm not. I'm not hating. Uh, I just want to make sure that the credit, you know, is goes on that technical boxing of of, of Volkanovski and his jab. Liam, uh, thoughts on the fight results? Do you have any bets? What's up? Um, yeah, you know, I only missed on. Um on actually no I, I gotta admit I took a live bet on pub sports radio on the under uh, four and a half so I, I did take a whiff on that one I was up uh, pretty good on the night so like like you talk about you know as the night's going sometimes you make different decisions based on where you're at I was up um, you know pretty good so I was like okay I'm gonna take a flyer on this because I've been thinking about it all week I still have access to a plus 200 on mm -hmm. the under four and a half and to be honest with you every other part of the fight played out how I thought uh, I just thought that Max was going to go down, uh, and more power to him, more credit to him. The guy is so tough. I can't believe that he took those shots. I can't. Um, so, like, God bless him. He was—he's a stud. Uh, like, there's no, there's no uh, shortage of accolades. But I have been saying for a while, and I truly believe I haven't seen somebody who's better at this fighting thing than Alexander Volkanovsky. Um, the guy is a gamer. Like, minute for minute, he doesn't let you win. He will tell you why you're losing. Like he, he is a insane uh, gamer. He is like the ultimate competitor. He completely uh, responded when he got dropped by Chad Mendez. He responded by swinging back in the pocket and knocking him out. Like the guy is built differently. When you get one over on him, he is coming back for ten. He is like you. You get him in a submission, he ten eights you. Like he is not about to play games with anybody. He is like trying to put a stamp on every exchange, every round. Uh, and for me, that was the ultimate difference maker. Is I don't think that Max can put the one sh like he was landing one shot at a time. Nice one, spinning back kick to the body. But this guy is fairly durable. And he's just so committed to his craft. So if you hurt him with something, he's going to run like a rugby player, full speed at your chest, and pin you to that fence. And what are you going to do about that? Nobody can do anything. He is the short king, the ultimate legend <laughs> among short kings. Like, I love this guy. He's got the reach uh, beyond belief. So he's out there outboxing somebody and sticking, moving. And he made Max dance to his tune the entire fight. He would move, Max would follow, he would dice him, he would move. He would follow, he would dice him. And it was just yeah. a clinical performance. I thought Max was going to go down, uh, and uh, more power to him. He's a stud. I had uh, three units on Volkanovski on the money line. I had uh, 1.85 units on Volkanovski uh, to win inside the distance at plus 333. And uh, I had um, basically about one unit worth of parlays. Um, that that did both end up cashing for me, which I was happy about. I normally don't fire on parlays, but there's a couple people that I wanted like smaller exposure to, and I felt comfortable with Alex, so I used him as a base, and I, I played him with Macy Barber um, uh, as a parlay, uh, so just a two-legger there, and then I did a four-leg parlay uh, of Ian Gary. Um, it was I actually have it right here. 
uh, Alex Pereira, Alexander Volkanovsky, Ian Gary, and Macy Barber. That was also my only exposure to Alex Pereira on the night. So wow. uh, I did have – I had him at plus 110. Um, thanks, Catskills Resort. Nice. You owe me a lot of money. I'm coming nice. back. Yeah. <laughs> shout out to the shout out to the co-main event too. We'll get to Alex uh, Pereira fight, but like they had the uh, I saw them post a parlay and I was kind of ner- I picked you know Alex Pereira too, but I was like I was a little nervous about him as a leg, in in my homie's parlay. So I'm glad he came through there. Um, real quick, uh, my, my guy Herb Dean is the gold standard in the chat. For me, the over four point five in a Holloway fight only opening at minus two hundred and minus two ten on the sites I use was a gift from the gods. Yeah, man, I don't blame you jumping on that for those prices. I, I tweeted, though, as a joke because I figured a bunch of people were on that over. And I said, um, you know, uh, you know, uh, uh, okay, over betters, you can stop sweating the cut now because it was a bad cut, man. I thought I thought really you uh, – I, I was praying. I thought you were going to cash that, man. I thought you were going to cash that, yeah, for you inside the distance betters on the other side, right? Um, and it's like in bets aside, obviously I want my friends to cash and in a world we, if, if we could all cash – but as far as like the narrative of the fight goes, I'm I'm kind of glad that it didn't because uh, you know, even though it was a really bad cut, cut is more superficial than it is head trauma, and I didn't want the door left open again for people to disrespect Volkanovski and be like, yeah, but you know Holloway had an argument in the second fight, and then some people to be as egregious to be like he had an argument in the first fight, and then he got cut, in the, and then we could have just had a whole thing, those right? Those people didn't watch the first fight. No, <laughs> yeah, totally, yes, totally, yeah. But you know what I'm saying? Like you just don't. You just wanted some finality here. So, for that reason, I'm glad that it wasn't stopped and we saw it was the boxing, um, yeah. and that's kind of why I, I threw a little joking pushback on the speed narrative. Not that it wasn't true. Volkanovski has been fast, and and Holloway. It's not that Holloway is super slow, but he's definitely not super fast amongst, especially amongst his contemporaries at featherweight. Um, you know, Volkanovski was way faster than him. Yeah, way yeah, faster. Exactly right, and. Yair worked on his hook hooking counters because those are the kryptonite stylus of kryptonite for Max, and sure enough, Yair had more success than, than most of us, Max included, realized, right? So, um, you know, uh, yeah, so that, you know, Volkanovsky, just kind of stylistic kryptonite in that sense. And you look at Max's style, and he's always exceeded expectations for me, and I don't know if it's because I try to, you know, counter the bias where I'm like, uh, you know, I I, I kind of steer away from the guys I like, right? You know, I or I as a, as a teacher, I don't know about you, Liam. I know you you spend a lot of time, you know, doing the martial arts and competing in them. I don't know how much time teaching, but or you know, teaching younger students, kids even. But uh, you almost for me, I'm almost hold a higher standard to the ones I like because I want them to do well. You know, so I don't know if it's a little bit of that with with Holloway, but uh, I feel like this was kind of a long time. This was a long time coming, you know. Uh, it was just so hard to kind of find out what what is the style. So, so, for so long, we thought it'd be wrestling, right? That was the common thing. A lot of a lot of people tried it, and even got some scorecards to go their way because of it. With Dennis Bermudez, I love Dennis Bermudez, but I'm just saying, right? That was the common hey, pride fix. Pride of Section Nine, Dennis there we go. Bermudez, That's in the New top York. ten wins list. Uh, Section Nine is a small, small sliver of New York, and he is one of our best. Saugerties, New York, stand up. Dude, I love I love me uh, betting some Dennis Bermudez. Maybe not toward the end, but I, I loved his style. I loved uh, hearing Keith Trimble lose his mind at him in the corner. <laughs> Uh, it was great, great stuff. It was great stuff. Classic, man. Yeah, Porky's yes. Porky Trimble. All his great hairs are named John uh, John Volante and Dennis Bermudez. 
Um, but uh, but yeah, I'm sure none of them would disagree with that too. But um, and Holloway made Cater look uh, look slow. Yeah, yeah, it, it happens. You know, again, you can be really good uh, f uh, in your weight class and a really good striker, but that doesn't necessarily mean you're fast, right? Um, the more scary. I mean, Josh Emmett made Cater look slow too. The difference was he just doesn't have the same reach. So Cater yeah. is farther away, touching him with the jab, but. Then every time they started to do speed-based exchanges, Emmett's faster than him. A lot of dynamics, but uh, physically, mentally, uh, and you know, we'll wait to see. And not to, again, not to take anything away from Volkanovski's performance, but we'll wait to see if Holloway says anything about not feeling well, cut or whatever this. But it just any front you think of, it just felt like it, he just was beat tonight, you know. Uh, and credit to Volkanovski for the technical boxing off the jab, and really just. Uh, doing his own building through this series and within the fight, which is crazy because Max Holloway is the builder. Yeah, it was it was one thing that to me, and I, I uh, take into account interviews and things like that. A lot of people leave them on the cutting room floor. I'll tell you what, um, it didn't help me in the main event, right? But it's like, right. uh, I thought these guys were going to engage, try and fight. But uh, in, in the co-main event, I felt like it, it was um, something that was instructive for me in that Max said he thought he won both fights, and that's just delusional. And like as a competitor, uh, as an athlete, sometimes you have to engage with some elements of delusion, right? Because if somebody's way better than you, you got to talk yourself into, hey, I can, I can compete with this guy. You know, I can compete with anybody. I'm the best. You know, you could say those things. That's great. But it's another thing to like ha go through an experience and then say, this is not the experience that happened. Because if you're saying I won the first fight, to me that's just not like then you're not going to make. The changes you're not going to you know invest in, in what you need to do um, as, as a competitor. So I think he's still young enough and talented enough. He could have ten more lives in the UFC, but it is something where um, I, I think there would have to be some changes made. He was pursuing takedowns and stuff in this fight, and it didn't work out. But I think you know he's got a good ground game. He's got uh, dynamic skills in all positions. So maybe he tries to bring that to bear uh, moving forward, uh, whether that's at featherweight or lightweight. Yeah, definitely great points there. And uh, real quick on the, the betting notes uh, for yourself for this one and for both of us in the last one. Uh, and we'll, we'll get to the winners here in a second. My guy uh, at Jerry MMA Labs uh, on Twitter says, uh, checked at Liam Fight Picks bet sheet and he crushed it tonight. Liam crushes it a lot of nights, man. Uh, so uh, you know he he is good for himself. So don't 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 you worry about my, my guy here. But uh, I will say, uh, as far as the bets that we did miss on, though, uh, I want to give a shout to uh, this this sweet new shirt I got. I felt it'd be apropos. Win or lose, right? Uh, the the you know uh, you know as much as I, you know, we're praising Volkanovski, uh, as much as uh, you know uh, we're crapping on uh, maybe Cannonier out of Sanya. Uh, either way, uh, both on the spectrum, uh, opposite ends, they failed to rob the judges, right? We'll get to who did rob the judges and probably cash some coin for both me and Liam here shortly, right? Um, but anything else on this co-main event fight before we uh, get to it? Um, no, that that's all for me. I just want people to recognize that this is uh, one of the best guys doing it. He's probably not going to be doing it forever. And, you know, we see a lot of retirements tonight, a lot of really good fighters, a lot of legends uh, called it. So you want to just take in these fights and, and live in these memories. Like, make sure you take it with you because they're not going to be around forever. And 
This is one of the best guys to ever do it. I've been watching this stuff for a long time. He's one of the best guys going right now, for sure. Uh, I think he's the best fighter on the planet. Uh, I think he's starting to create a margin. So uh, watch out. Uh, I, I don't want to sign the line to fight that guy. Yeah, I agree, man. Uh, you know, I, I had him uh, right there on my pound for pound. Uh, I, you know, uh, I felt like... Uh, there's a lot of guys that are that are right there. I don't mean to disrespect Usman either when I say this. I just I just feel like you know as far as littler guys, technicians, uh, those things tend to not you know get tend to get overlooked. And I just feel like it's ironic that they get overlooked in the pound for pound conversation, which I'm, I don't care about. It's stupid. But if we look at what it was designed for, it was designed in boxing to give credence to lighter weight technical fighters so to see mma just completely flipping shit on that you know even though i don't care about the argument like just out of principle i'm more of a principle guy liam and out of principle i'm, just, I'm with you man it just seems kind of gross to me so especially when you have such a treasure like yeah. volkanovsky you can do everything you're just like he is a gift to the sport like the guy goes out there competes hard every time he looks for the finish you know he doesn't put himself in bad positions Mm-hmm. And when he faces adversity, he does more than you expect. Like if you expect yeah. him to like just respond to it well, he does more than that. He comes back and ten eights the guy. It's like I, I can't. I, I bet on Brian Ortega a small amount on him to win sure. and to win inside the distance. And I was like, I'm cashing the ticket. Oh, it's over. Yeah. He's got the job. Yeah. He's That's got it. I'm like, I'm like, we're done. And this guy gets out. I'm like, I will never bet another dollar against this guy until I see the best featherweight prospect. That, that can't miss, you know, and I'm pretty good at jumping on those trains when I see them coming, but I, I, uh, I don't know, man, it, it's going to take a Herculean effort. I actually think somebody like Josh Emmett, uh, or, um, Yair Rodriguez would have a better chance of beating Volk today than Max only because of the singular impact on their strikes. Because I do think the one thing you can get Volkanovsky with is just a, a power shot. He's in the pocket. Yeah. He's willing to fight anybody. So you might be able to hit this guy, hurt him, put him down. Outside of that, what are you going to do to him? He's so good at MMA. He's going to win a round. Like, it's it's very hard to win a round against him unless you drop him. It's very hard. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, I think that, you know, part of me, it's like, okay, uh, it's going to be, you got to find the Dustin Poirier, Max Holloway, where you got to find his first fight at 155, especially if it's for a title or they push him, you know, into the very best. He's got all the hype on him now, right? And then you got to look for that overcorrection. Like, yes, we, we stand by what, what we're saying, right, Liam? But from a gambling perspective, if they overcorrect the steering wheel on his first step up to 155, you know, and what are those matchups? Um, you know, you know me, I'm a Slim Chucky Charles Hollis. fan. Yep, Chucky Hollis yeah. is, is, the, is the most dangerous. And I feel like Volk, at least early, uh, could be really, you know, low-key competitive with a guy like Makachev. But then Makachev could just do what we think, which I think the... I think the, the, the initial uh, answer to your question would be, okay, probably 155, probably a big guy, not just a big guy, but a big guy who can really wrestle Volk, you know, um, and put him on his back. That's the one thing where you got to imagine where he's weakest, right? Um, Dude, when you just said Volk and Makachev, you started the gears turning in I my know, head right? with an evil conviction. He will be an underdog in that fight, and I will be stroking my beard like, hmm... Because this guy, he's small, he's short, he's low to the ground. It's not going to be that easy to get inside on him. And, like, his digging of underhooks is insistent. The guy does not let you get underhooks on him, period. So I think that's interesting, man. I'd, I'd have to do a lot of digging. And I've, I've tried to fade it on Makachev before, and 
burn money on my man Tiago Moises, who then looks like a jiu-jitsu black belt two fights later. I'm like, come on, man. What are you doing? But I think um, moving forward, that that would be great matchmaking. All of the fights you listed, I would pay to watch. Yeah, And it's yeah. certainly more than the next Israel Adesanya fight. Yeah, well, speaking of that, let's not get it too ahead of ourselves. Let's go to that. The next Israel Adesanya fight, uh, Alex Pereja beat Sean Strickland. Uh, left hook, KO, round one. I, I thought it was going to be left hook, KO, round two. Uh, it was round one. Um, I stayed away from this fight. I didn't feel too confident in it, um, despite picking it right. Did you have any strong leans, bets on this one? I know you had a parlay, uh, a parlay and a parlay. Yeah, that's it. That's it. I had Pereira in one $26 parlay um, that that won a cool 150 so I'm happy about that. But um, I normally don't throw together parlays, but I kind of just had like a, a resting balance in a kiosk. You know, if you've ever bet at a casino, had a resting balance in the kiosk, had a couple sides I liked, but couldn't really get, I was like, am I going to bet more than 25, 26 bucks on these guys? Like, eh, like I'll just pick, you know, a couple sides, pair it with the one I'm really confident in, Volk, and uh, and that was that. So uh, he was the, the plus money uh, anchor to that parlay, and, uh, you know, cheers to him, uh, delivered in a big way. You know, I ended up with a actually a, a larger bet than the parlay on Strickland's sub, right before the fight, uh, just because on the sharpest markets, it was down to plus 450, plus 475. Uh, I've, I have a pretty deep uh, understanding of his jiu-jitsu game. He actually is you know, quite good at jiu-jitsu. I think yeah, if Sean yeah. Strickland had just a grapple with this guy, very yeah. very well could have looked different. But yeah. the, the other thing is, it's not so simple. It's like, well, Sean, why didn't you grapple? It's like, grapple with him how? Like, I got to get close. Like, I have yeah. to, like, get near the guy and. He was doing a good job of landing and moving forward and pushing him back and using the teeth kicks. He was kicking with the kicker. I thought he did a lot of things right, but you make one mistake against this guy, you're going to sleep. He's got different level of power. That was, for me, the ultimate reason to stay off the Strickland side was just I I, uh, I saw that this guy has been out-grappled and then won by just insta-starching Michelatis, um, who gassed out trying to grapple him. And then... In subsequent fight, Bruno Silva's got a freaking brick for a head. If you guys have never watched yeah. his fights, like the guy is made of stone, and that that fight for me was also instructive. Even if it goes to a decision, he could out kickbox you. So I thought that it was uh, very live that Pereira would win the fight by KO or decision. But I also thought it was the hardest fight to cap on the card because the guy has very little experience. There's not a lot of tape in MMA, so maybe he just gets worked over in the clinch. But again, we didn't even get there because the guy's power is earth shattering. Yeah, I'm a totally a guy that's like usually picks the experience over the hype, right? But this just, I couldn't help but see the left hook KO. And I like you bring that up, like, you know, as far as like, okay, yeah, obviously take him down, but how? You got to get close to him. Uh, it could be a fighter's intention, you know, and, and it might not happen uh, is, a, is a huge point. And on that same path, uh, almost as strong a point, because I saw, saw people criticizing corner game plan. And I said this going into it, like, why, you know, oh, picking against an extreme couture guy or... You know, Eric Nick's a guy or whatever. It's like, I, I've done that before. It's my job to try to pick these fights, you know, and set the bias aside and, and be professional about it. Um, but I told you guys, like, you guys know me. I, 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 Eric's, like, number one for me as far as corner guys go. But, like, you can have anybody in your corner. You know, a lot of these fighters, you know, a lot of these fighters, it's up, to, it's up to them ultimately. And a lot of these fighters are cowboys in there. You know what I'm saying? And Sean Strickland is that. You know, he's going to do what he's going to do. He doesn't care if his defense is awkward. He's going to keep doing it. And he has, right? Like, who's going to change that? Um, 
Uh, so I, I would be I, I say that in his, in his and his camp's defense because you know um, that was something I was saying even you know going into this fight like be careful it's not just as easy like what Liam said just take him down you know like uh, especially a guy who you know offensive double leg shots is not something that really comes easy to him he's done them before uh, but it's not a regular thing that he pursues it's usually like opportunistic like he's got Uriah Hall hurt and then goes for it in the small UFC apex cage right so not something you can count on as like you know this guy's gonna go out there and uh just you know like Nick Maximoff and just shoot takedowns like his life depends on it right it's not the same yeah different guys different styles and uh Sean is just not a guy who wants to bring his grappling to bear anymore he prefers to strike with people it's just like it's obvious from watching his fights you know but I also think I described him as a sadist. The guy likes to just get out there and like, if you're hurt, yep. he's like, he's dragging you along. He's like, come on, buddy. Like, I want to beat you up more. Like, yeah. stay in this. Like, you know, and he did that to Uriah, um, like you mentioned, by picking him up with these like double underhooks, like scooping him and like dropping him over, just like barreling through him. He was just more physical. And honestly, Uriah was broken mentally in like the second round of that fight. And he was just like being walked through the exchanges. So it was uh, for me, you know, the kind of thing where I couldn't rely on Sean here because even when he's doing well in a fight, like he'll let somebody back into it on purpose, on purpose. Watch his fights. He lets people back in. Jack Marshman is like, oh, you take a hell of a punch. He's like laughing and joking. He's too lackadaisical to fight somebody with this kind of like nuclear level power and you feel confident about it. Could he have won this fight? Yeah, because that's the other thing is like I thought he was winning every minute up until he lost. You know, uh, like I thought he was doing well, landing some shots. Uh, but the the ultimate difference was Sean Strickland can fight for 25 minutes and never land a meaningful blow that hurts the guy. Um, that's the truth. Like th this was a fight where one meaningful blow changed everything. And well, I I do like to look for people that are dynamic that that can finish mm -hmm. a fight as yeah. part of my capping uh, because that's that's like half of these fights and by a finish so i'm like i just want to be sure like can you give me both like can you do something drop the judges make it simple right. um yeah take it out of uh, dirty sound against hands <laughs> that's, that's always oh. been my mo and i, I truly believe it I, I always said i don't want to run into poor sal at whole foods we'd have to have a poor long sal. conversation oh poor sal he's getting it hey i got i gotta say uh yeah, no, no, no. I, I, I got to say uh, real quick, uh, Herb Dean is the gold standard, says, uh, would have been a disaster if Strickland had managed to win tonight. He would land a few jabs on Izzy, but other than that, it wouldn't be competitive, in my opinion. Pajeda will be uh, at least somewhat competitive. Uh, before I get to his next thing here, I was going to ask you, Liam, uh, not so much who do you have in that fight. I don't want to start a breakdown of that now, but uh, what do you think they're going to? What do you think the uh, line's going to be? If uh, maybe they've opened one already, I, knows, I think but, they uh, did open one number. Okay. Uh, so I have uh, I have Twitter notifications on. I think um, Best Fight Odds or one of these places mm -hmm. sent a opener minus two hundred Israel Adesanya plus one seventy to come back on Alex Pereira, and I can tell you if that number holds, I will certainly be on the underdog. Yeah, me me too. I just worry. I know it's gonna tighten up, you know. As I always say, you guys are getting on the lines early. I'm uh I'm always late to the uh, proverbial uh, proverbial gangbang there. I'm just trying not to step on things and get things attached to my shoe. Uh, at that point, <laughs> we'll see where I end up. You know, I'm hopping and stuff to get to the other side of the room. It's a mess. Um, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> what's up, MMA junkie? Saying what's up in there. 
Go subscribe, by the way, to my uh, my outlets channel, MMAJunkie.com, doing a lot on there. I was on the pre-show today with my guy, Danny Segura TV, and uh, a lot of the stuff we uh, we said on there was, uh, uh, you know, uh, came to fruition, fruition. Uh, by the way, Herb Dean is the gold standard, says, can you think of a guy with a bigger frame than Pajeda? Uh, at middleweight, he's absolutely massive. Yeah, he's big, man. Like, I watched some of his footage when he fought at light heavyweight, or even I believe he had like some heavyweight fights in kickboxing. I almost didn't recognize him at first. I'm like, this is the same guy? I was like, oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, man, he's huge. And that was the other point that I raised. You know, I, I think um, part of my edge is that I train. Like, and I, I think that that's, you know, like common sense, but it's also, uh, it's true. Like, I know what it's like to try and grapple somebody who's real big and strong and physical. That's hard. It doesn't matter yes. if you're way better than them. Yeah. You know, it's like it, there's things that like I can tell you for sure. I would much rather go with somebody who is like one notch below me in skill level and not a good athlete than somebody who's five yeah. notches below me in skill level and an insane athlete because yep. you're just going to have a harder time. So I think that this guy is eminently hard to grapple because of his size, his width. Like, he's just a weirdly built guy. He's got mm -hmm. a huge back. Those kind of guys are just, yeah. you know, trouble. So look at what these people actually are and what they're going to have to do. Sean Strickland was going to have to, like, wrap his arms like this and keep his head up. It's going to be very awkward. Yeah, absolutely. Let's move on to the next one, which was, uh, let's see here. Oh, this was uh, Brian Barberina defeated uh, TKO, uh, punches standing, Robbie Lawler, round two. Um, yeah, this was, uh, I, I had, uh, I, I, I know, man, pouring out for Robbie. It's, it sucks. I feel bad picking against him. And I, I didn't bet against him at least. Uh, although, grats if you, if you cashed any Barbarina tickets out there, not hating. Um, but yeah, I picked Barbarina by round two. I got cheeky and I put like cut stoppage. I don't know why, you, you know, you, you, it's not, it's not anything high percentage to count on. Uh, I guess I just wanted to emphasize that Brian Barberina has got some elbows, um, which I emphasize on the Protect Your Neck podcast. But uh, in my main card article, I guess I'm talking about, I did the uh, protect the uh, for Junkie, I did a uh, uh, cut stoppage, and um, you know it didn't get there, which is probably a good thing. I'm glad it was a standing stoppage. I don't need to see Robbie Lawler go out. You know, I don't need to see him take prolonged beatings at that point of his career. Um, but I did say that the elbows would probably uh, kind of put the uh, you know, uh, be the turning point uh, in round two. And even live, you were kind of seeing it. It was just hard. Robbie was swinging fast. But once he was able to do the reverse Colby Covington, you know, instead of on the front foot wrestling, he's on the back foot, but he's still throwing southpaw volume. Uh, he got Lawler back into that shelling phase. And from there, um, he was able to extend, uh, Barbarina was, extend combinations uh, and get himself into and eventually finish the fight. Um, any reads going in? Any bets on this? Uh, what, 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 any comments? What do you got, Liam? Yeah, I'll keep this one pretty brief. Um, I, I really didn't have a strong read coming into this fight. I felt like Barbarina had to be, uh, you know, the the upside play just because he's so much younger. Um, and, and truthfully, I'm a huge Robbie Lawler fan. Um, UFC 189, my favorite event ever, uh, fight I've ever seen. So I just think that this guy's a, a legend. Uh, don't want to see him fight anymore, but happy to, to happy to watch anytime. Because I mean, what can you even say critically? Like the guy went out there, uh, went out on his shield like a freaking legend. Fought the whole time, was landing good hard shots. Still looks like himself out there, still throwing. But the problem was ultimately he had a guy out there who could take shots and. He took the shots and he kept answering. And 
you know, I think that, like you mentioned, it's when Robbie Lawler stops throwing that the fight got away from him. You know, he stopped throwing back because he was getting hit with shots, and and you can't do that because if you stop throwing, the guy's just going to overwhelm you with volume, and you really hit the nail on the head, which watching live, it was clearly happening. He was going duh-duh to the body, bring Robbie here, bink, and he'd hit him clean with that elbow every time. Uh, and I just thought that uh, that was unsustainable. He also was hitting him with elbows in the clinch. And uh, he basically figured out, okay, I can hit both hooks to the body, I can hit my overhand right, I can hit my left hook, and I can smash him with elbows whenever I want. And he just then unloaded with those shots against the fence, and it was a formality at that point. Absolutely. Uh, Herb Dean is the gold standard, says, uh, Lawler looked much better here than he did against Diaz. Um I will say he looked good in both for, for, for Lawler at this stage of his career. He looked better than expected. Uh, and more importantly, he looked like he wanted it, right? We saw that, we heard that and saw that with Cowboy a little bit before this. Um, I didn't see, correct me if I'm wrong, I didn't see Lawler put down his gloves, right? Um, so he looked like he wanted it, which was great. Uh, I will say, though, kind of just, um, you know, a, a, like extending the exchange, extending the thought of what. Uh, uh, Herb Dean is the gold standard. They were saying in the in the chat. I will say just physically, and man, I'm I'm the last guy to to to, to critique. I'm 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 getting there in my late thirties. But like uh, you know, Nick Diaz came in with a full dad bod, obviously when they fought, right? And, and I, uh, much love to both these guys and respect. But I'm just saying, and Lawler, he came in. He was the last on the scale, and I'm like, is that just Lawler kind of being lazy? You know, not lazy in the bad thing, but like, you know, he's a veteran. He's like, I'll get to the scale when I get to the scale, which is totally cool hearing that, right? Or was it a hard cut, though, right? And, you know, he looked like he was pretty trimmed down when he cut, and then he put back on for sure. Um, and I, I don't know what it was. I mean, you, you got to be ultra critical here, and I was being, so keep that in mind for the caveat here. But it's just, you know, you know, whether you're in the gym, right, Liam? Uh, or you're, you know, being critical on fight tape. You gotta get critical with like, you know, watching someone's body shape if it changes here or there, right? Especially when you have such a long-standing sample size with Lawler, and something about him. Again, I think he, I still think he looked good. I'm not, I'm not denying the point there, uh, by her, but uh, I, I feel like he just, he, he, he looked older tonight, man. He looked older tonight, uh, and even though again he, he performed well, he had great instincts. Uh, he just couldn't keep it up, right? He couldn't keep. Keep it up, and and those pockets that he needs to recoup, that becomes more crucial as you get older. And that's just my, my my flyer subjective opinion from the outside. Yeah, and I mean, what happened to Matt Brown? Uh, I was at that fight in Columbus. Um, kind of just ran out of gas. You know, it's it's not yeah. hard to land on Brian Barberena. That's the truth. He's very easy to hit. So even yeah. if you're a, an old legend, you can go out there and throw and, and yeah. land. But the problem is it's too easy. So they're throwing too much and they're landing too much and they're not leaving themselves with a full tank of gas. And yeah, it just becomes at a certain point, you know, Robbie kind of needed to get him out of there and he was selling out for it because he knew I can't keep going like this. I can't, I'm not going to be able to go for 15. Yep, absolutely. Um, all right, let's go to the next fight. Uh, I don't know if you had anything on this, any strong opinions going in, bets, uh, ultimately, it would have been a push because Sean O'Malley versus Pedro Munoz, or uh, as, as, as my guy Bisping would say, Pedro Munoz, uh, went to a no contest. Um, I, you know, I had, I had O'Malley by decision uh, as a pick. I didn't I didn't make any plays on this. I was scared. I, I feel like the value was there on Munoz all day, and I feel like 
I don't know if we'd get as good of a line on Munoz, but I'm, I may go the other way next time. Uh, I know a strong leadoff, but I'll, I'll hand it to you. What did you have going into this fight? Yeah, so going into this fight wasn't my strongest read. You know, I kind of felt like, you know, I, I actually love it. Uh, I was at the sports book in the morning, so I just took down notes as I was going through. Um, and I like send it to my friends. So I had said at that time, uh, favorite or pass, sharp number trap in my opinion. And that was mm -hmm. what uh, wow. I had yeah. pre-fight. And now that being said, I did, I was like, I, I told you, I was kind of at a position in the night where I was very plus money. You know, I'll, we'll talk about it um, when we get to that point of the show, but um, I, I hit a, an insane round robin um, on submission props tonight. And right. it was, uh, it was something where, for for me, I thought that he was kind of drawing into a thin win condition because his boxing was virtually non-existent in this fight. And I'm talking about Pedro. Uh, he really couldn't sure. get to the target with his punches. So he was left with an array and an impressive array of inside, outside, a lead leg, rear leg. He was hitting every yeah. leg kick you can imagine. Yeah. But it also looked like O'Malley was taking him okay. And it looked like it was the kind of fight where eventually the volume and the boxing of O'Malley was starting to translate a little bit more than the leg kicks of Pedro. But I, I think it's an interesting fight to run back because Pedro, like if there's anything that could ever convince him he should have to wrestle, it's this fight. It's like he kind of saw how this was going. He gets maybe a redo. It's like I would then be like, committing my camp to wrestling and trying to take this guy down uh, because the guy has very very good jiu-jitsu and he never gets on top of anybody you know he never even attempts to, to grapple with anybody proactively so i think that that's a mistake and you know his career could pass him by with him never really attempting uh proactive grappling if he's not careful and i think now that he's seen how this fight was trending you know maybe that's in a uh something he could try and change for the rematch but um Honestly, I don't need to see this fight again, uh, personally. Um, if they run it back, big blessings. I'm happy to watch it again as well. I thought it was a, a fine fight in terms of entertainment value, but I didn't feel like it was uh, It was really a very compelling fight as it was happening. You know, it kind of looked like we were going to get one dynamic all night. One guy is swinging at the legs um, with, with kicks, and one guy is just, is just boxing him from the outside. And I wouldn't want it to be the kind of fight where, where he just starts to take, you know, a lot of... Uh, volume to the face because that's been a few Pedro Munoz fights and that's not fun. Yeah, I uh, I, I totally hear you there and yeah, the boxing definitely was tough and you could tell you know some of the notes I was saying before and I know I was saying it with my guy Danny Segura on the MMA Junkie Show uh, was that he's been working a lot of defense and slipping and it's like that's good surface value wise but I don't know how much that's gonna serve him well here that he's not connecting it with forward pressure and shots or anything like that I feel like he was just gonna get stuck on the outside even more so and perhaps we saw some of that I know the commentary was kind of noting on that saying they haven't seen that before but it's kind of been a trend and then it just got also accentuated with the style matchup right I know I'll jokingly downplay the reach thing and stats being overblown but this was one where it was just like no I I have a hard time ignoring the height and reach with the style at play it's it's pretty potent that being said um we got a question on how we scored round one and I guess to kind of say why I I, I left with a little bit of an opposite opinion is because and I have to rewatch it it's not a strong uh, opinion by the way um but uh I leaned more toward the leg kicks uh, of Munoz 
uh, it was close, but I, I lean more toward that because it seemed like it was off-putting um, O'Malley. And to my guy, uh, and, and, and one of the, the, the very best analysts, absolutely, uh, Ryan Wagner, uh, at Ryan Wag MMA, uh, was, was, was saying that, you know, it, w O'Malley wasn't showing the best response to what was naked leg kicks that, you know, I have to imagine he known was coming. And that's not, you know, that's not great. And he kind of compared it to Ian Gary, who we'll get to where, you know, he, you know, he said he wasn't too high on Ian Gary uh, either. Um, but Ian Gary is a counterpuncher, is at least, you know, uh, reacting about the third or fourth time something comes at him. He's at least he's at least providing answers at that point. Whereas O'Malley just seemed really thrown off his game. Uh, so even though I feel like a defender of his skills many times, uh, I will say that wasn't a promising sign. And whether it's Munoz again or another fighter uh with that kind of value with that kind of value attached i may be i may be on the value side next time liam hey uh ride with us value boys uh, i think yeah for for me i did end up getting to a play on pedro right before the fight i was just telling um somebody sharp that i knew uh fired off on it i was like hey let me let me see what i can do here um yeah. and uh ended up getting the money back right uh, also, shout out to my the Bane Davis. Yeah, uh, he Bain's. hit me up before the fight. Uh, we got in a bet uh, on uh, uh, Pedro to win by knockout, and uh, we ended up voiding that one out there uh, as well. But hey, I think that uh, you know Pedro fought a, a good fight. Um, he did what he could. I thought he did win that first round uh, on my scorecard as well. I did think that things were trending in the wrong direction by the time that the fight uh, eventually was called. But um, who knows? Who knows? Because it's a fight. And uh, the other thing I'll say is I thought Jimmy Rivera was going to box the ears off of uh, off of Pedro Munoz in the rematch. And it turned into a different fight because of the low kicks. He completely blasted him off his legs there, and Jimmy couldn't box. That was kind of what was happening to O'Malley in round one. But O'Malley kind of had the answer a little bit in round two. He was doing a much better job. So I think that for O'Malley, uh, it will be about trying to – figure out how to operate on the front foot uh, or how to operate better on the back foot and mm -hmm. pull him in uh, because he's got to yeah. change something about the, the yep. dynamic. He was walking onto a lot of the leg kicks. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, absolutely there. And uh, I, I just, I want to say, uh, man, I totally biffed and missed the shout section. So I'll probably make up for it next podcast, Liam, but yeah, shouts to Ben, the Baines met a bunch of people that night, a bunch of people in the uh, gambling industry too, man. It's just, it's 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 just so great when we can come together, and I don't want to like you know go into it and name everybody and you know uh, add to the FOMO for those uh, who aren't here because I know that stuff you know is is real. I get a bit of that myself, and I was glad I got my antisocial out uh, ass out, Liam, because uh, you know you're a guy who's really positive in this community, so I know you appreciate this message, and I know you appreciate knowing that. Uh, you know, a, a, a lot of us uh, names got together um, and couldn't get along and and and, and enjoy uh, enjoy company uh, more, man. So, you know, hopefully more collaborations like this, man. I appreciate you coming on to my show, and uh, we'll get on with the recap here. Absolutely, man. Uh, true pleasure, and I always say, good guys rise. Uh, I I truly started like so many of the listeners of this show just as a guy listening to people doing these shows, and and I had been betting for a long time since I was you know a little a little younger than you're supposed to be, and having fun, always only betting on MMA, and um, you know over time I've 
started to love uh, sports betting as a concept, as a way uh, of attacking markets, let's say. But that's something that's I, I've kind of matured into. It just started for me as like I'm a fight fan. I like I like betting on these fights, and um, I think that there's there's room for everybody in in doing this. You can be somebody that wants to be a professional gambler. You could be somebody that wants to have you know five dollars on the line uh, on a UFC and just say, hey, you know, I want to you know bet on my favorite fighter. There's nothing wrong with either of those things, and uh, I think more gamble responsibly uh, as you should and uh, other than that you know good guys rise just keep working hard and, and good things happen absolutely man absolutely uh, before we move on to the next fight just a real good question I want to verbalize because I think I may try to ask this when I talked with a judge uh, hopefully sooner than sooner than later whenever my ass can finally get out and reach out hopefully after this week now but uh, all, you know uh, my guy Herb asking, you know, always wondering how how judges uh, score checked leg kicks, and I do wonder about that, right? Uh, not just if they see it and yada yada. I'm I'm assuming that they're looking for it and are educated enough to look for it, but beyond that, you know, you're educated enough to know what it is and you see it, you know. Uh, okay, obviously you don't score it for the leg kicker, but you know, do you score anything for the person doing the checking? Uh, you know, even if it looks like it can hurt. be damaging. Yeah. Ask, uh, Chris Weidman. Yeah, exactly. Right. So very, very interesting there. Uh, and next fight, next fight that probably is, uh, you know, uh, it saved my butt. I don't know about yours, Liam, but, uh, Jalen Turner defeated Brad Riddell via guillotine choke. I'll be honest. I'm going to set you up for this because I'll be honest. I actually missed this. Um, I was still kind of, I uh, had my head probably on my phone more than I should have. Didn't realize the fight started. And next thing I know, my girlfriend, who, because uh, I think she actually, she just came over uh, a little bit before this fight, so I'm probably getting settled with the dogs, right? Not fully, fully focused. And uh, she must have been focused enough on the weigh-ins, cause she, or not on the weigh-ins, on the announcements, because she goes, uh, look, look, like something's going on, and all of a sudden, Jalen Turner's got a guillotine on him, and I go, babe, I, I, I bet this. I, I said this would happen. <laughs> and she's like, and she goes, she goes, Babe, he's putting his spider eggs in him. Oh, God. <laughs> Playing off the tarantula nickname. I'm like, you just walked in, like, hurt. I'm like, that's I'm like, that's, I'm like, that's why I love you. You're making, you know, weird jokes and puns off of their names already, and you just you just walked in the room. Um, hey, that's and, how you know you got a keeper. <laughs> yeah, there we go. And uh, and the tarantula, Mr. Turner, um, you know, he uh, he definitely, uh, you know, uh, Rydell High Riddell got caught in that web, man. Um, what, what were your thoughts going in? Did you have any plays? Uh, maybe enlighten me in the audience. How the hell did he even get in that guillotine? Man, I, I could tell you. Uh, first and foremost, um, if if uh, another fight that we're going to talk about um, later had ended inside the distance, it would have been like another 20-plus unit swing because I had a parlay on the fight not to go the distance, two and a half units on uh, this fight not to go the distance, and Duplessis and Tavares not to go the distance. Um, and so didn't didn't quite make it there on the parlay, and they they right. absolutely went to war. So I can, I literally cannot be mad at those guys either. Yeah. One of them, Duplessis, Brad Tavares, thank you guys. You went out there. You've both fought absolutely valiantly. So uh, truth be told, just face plant L on that parlay. But otherwise, um, 5.75 units. My biggest bet on the card was on Jalen Turner on the money line here at minus 115. He had too many anthropomorphic advantages. Um, Brad Riddell is making a quick turnaround after an absolutely brutal fight. 
um, with with a friend and teammate. You know, that was kind of a, a really big setback for Brad uh, career-wise. You know, in terms of him moving forward as a competitor in the uh, in the crowded 155-pound division, right? And you got you got to think about you know from a UFC standpoint, right? Leading into this fight. From a promotional standpoint, mm-hmm. Brad Riddell is a very fun fighter, and me, guys like me and you are going to know who he is and how sure. talented he is. But the average fan looks and they go, oh, "This guy's got a bunch of decisions." You know, he's kind of undersized at 155. This is the truth, and like right. the guy's been in war after war, just like classic fights. But it's been against the Jamie Malarkeys of the division. If you're having bangers, drawn out classic bangers with Jamie Malarkey, Jalen Turner can finish you. Period. Like that's a fact. Like if you're getting hurt by the 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 guys that he's running through. He absolutely ran through Jalen Malarkey in that fight. So uh, for me, Jalen Turner had a lot of advantages on paper, um, and he's a fast starter. Brad's a really slow starter. So I had a feeling that you know the business was going to get done early in this fight. Yeah. Um, I had an untracked play on Jalen Turner to win by sub in round one, 15 to one. I had Jalen Turner uh, in a, a uh, round robin uh, with of submissions. In round one or two at plus 950 to win by sub, um, slamo. Uh, and then I had a fight ends by sub um, for a little over half a unit, like uh, 0.68 units, uh, nice. plus 600. Uh, so this was a cleanup for me. I, I, I took uh, took my friends at FanDuel to the cleaners. On and off the books you won, it sounded like there. That's that's that's, that's awesome, man. That's awesome. Yes, yeah. I uh, Yeah, for me, I just I, – and I, and I said it, and, and again, I think – uh, me not being very confident right now to be confident on, on a pick or a place as something a um, to bet a prop at half a unit in general is a lot for me usually it's somewhere under half a unit for props um, uh, re- uh, or at least for me I, I try to be conservative right especially like if you're getting a high number like there's no reason to go a half a unit Dan you in my normal mind it's like plus 700 you can just bet you know, 20 bucks you don't want to see again and still have a decent return at plus 700, right? Um, which is fine, by the way. No hate uh, if you didn't do it. But, uh, again, uh, a lot of a lot of my listeners I was talking to seem to read that confidence, which is good because sometimes I'll say that, like, oh, no, I, I knew you were confident on that one. I could tell by the way you were saying it. So I'm glad that comes through, and then the, 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 then the play itself obviously comes through. Um, Cause yeah, I said it on my show. I'm like, I just feel really confident about this one. It feels, and I know you can get plus uh, money higher for subs, and not just like combining it with the rounds, like for the plus fifteen hundred that you cited and stuff like that. But even like you'll see subs like, well, I've seen a fighter to win by sub by plus twelve hundred. It's like, it's a different context though. It was you know, it, it was you're you're usually getting a higher number if it's like maybe like a, a heavyweight who has no jujitsu or something by sub, right? Or it's the underdog by sub. I mean, we're talking about the favorite for a fight that's, you know, favored to go to finish inside the distance. And that favorite, who is a brown belt in Brazilian jiu-jitsu and has submission finishes, not the early armbar finishes that are littered in the beginning in the regional career. Like, no, he actually has the bulk of his submission finishes in the UFC relevantly on trend. In that context, plus 700 is a high number. Yeah, I feel like I need to buy a Jalen Turner t-shirt at this point um, because the man has shipped me more than one bag. Uh, Uros Medic got cleaned up and shipped me a bag. I had the, the sub in that oh, fight nice. as well. So nice. it's just been Jalen Turner bag season. And um, I think that, you know, you got to respect these guys that are lethal. Like, 
uh, this is something that I, if I had to make one broader uh, critique uh, of MMA betting community, and I say this with love and respect sure. because I, I listen to everybody, uh, at, like trying to learn stuff. The one common thing that I notice is people writing off somebody because they're like a dangerous finisher. And I'm like, wait, 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 wait why Why would we do that? I was like, did, did, that doesn't make sense. Like truthfully, like if somebody can finish a fight at any point, that's a great asset to have because then they could even, they could be worse, right? I don't need the better fighter now. They could finish. I, they could be losing. I don't need them to win every minute if they win in a minute, if they win instantly. So these, these are the kind of things that I look for as advantages because the truth is Jalen Turner shouldn't have been minus 115. He should have been minus 200 or minus 155 or minus 175 like where bookmakers opened it, right? They opened minus 175. It was the public that sent it in the other direction. I watch that. I pay attention because if the bookmaker tells me something, that, that means one thing to me. If the public tells me something, that means a different thing. And normally on a UFC pay-per-view, Lines are pretty sharp. Notice how many favorites won tonight. Yeah. A lot of them. Yeah. Lines are sharp. Yeah. So you're going to have to recognize that sometimes, you know, the ball is is gone, you know, maybe at minus 170 or whatever he closed at, you know, the margins would have been a little more thin. But there was points in the week where it was just a no-brainer entry on these kind of advantages, you know, like you can't get somebody who's eight inches taller and seven inches of reach and five right. years younger. And you just can't find that. It's like that. You got to hammer that. So, and, and, hammer. That, and that length plus skill, you know, I talked about it in Rachmaninoff, a submission read I had. And, you know, uh, I don't know if it's because we grapple Liam, but you talk about that edge, right? Like for, for me, most of my prop hits, my best ones seem to be submissions. I'm, I'm guessing yours are probably too, right? Yes, and, sir. And, uh, uh, and that was something else that I was talking about. And I kind of hinted when we were talking about the Volk uh, attributes with the Chuck, uh, Chuck Yolives is that, you know, that length also comes into play on the ground as well, especially when they have skill. You get leverages on chokes that, you know, they, they may not used to being there. Yeah, he might train with Izzy a lot. Um, who's got a similar frame that uh, to Turner, but the skill level's different. Like, Turner's a legit brown belt who's always trying to improve his skills and actually will go for submissions. It's a part of his game. It's part of his instincts. Um, whereas, you know, Izzy is obviously uh, more defensive. And I was just talking about that trend, too. I, I don't think it's a... I, is, I mean, I, I feel like it's a trend for me, which I'm about to talk about here, but I feel like uh, the betting market loves finishers. Um, but I see your point because I was just talking about this with uh, uh, Luca Fury last night. Um, we were just going over over game stuff, and you know, it was like I was talking. I was like, "Man, I've you know, calling out your biases, and my biases, um, unfortunately, are for fighters who counter work the body, legs uh, are very technical, um, are okay with going to decision because they're the more skilled fighter and they're controlling the fight." And if the fight does go to decision, well, I'm betting on the more skilled fighter controlling the fight in a fight that I deem stylistically, right? And we could see from Cater to Emmett to uh, Saruki and the Gamrot that you can have these reads for a decision, pick the favorite. Um, they could arguably, arguably won on the scorecards for the technical reasons you cited, right? But in a close fight in MMA and what the way criteria is, you can justify a lot of different outcomes, hence value side of the equation, which I don't hate, by the way. I wasn't any, I wasn't crying about any of those examples I just cited. They're just great examples to use, right? Um, and, uh, and yeah, so that was something that I was like, oh, well, that kind of explains why um, I come up short with a lot of these frustrating decisions. And 
if you guys have noticed, I've really halted as far as betting decision props. That used to be my, my, my thing. But when you really think about it, you know, what are you really getting for decisions? You're getting anywhere from, as far as plus money goes, what, plus 110 to plus 140 at most? Um, and, and, I mean, you know, and then again, the intangibles of having to check all the boxes off and being able to sometimes check all those boxes off and it's still not enough. It can still go the other way. So to Liam's point, long-winded here, but being a finisher is very important. It can really do you a, a lot of things, you know. And so if you look at the what I've been targeting as far as props go, um, yeah, I might flex, you know, like I, you know, uh, w whether I'm playing or talking about a play right now with the some the, the Jalen Turner by submission win. Um, I may flex as far as like that kind of a read goes, but I'm playing a lot of rounds as well. If you notice for these bigger numbers. Um, because again, you know, uh, value Victorian, value boys, however you want to put it, uh, there's something to that, right? There's, there is something to that. And you know what, if I want to flex my analysis, let me flex in the more value direction rather than the dicey, low payoff, high risk decision direction, right? So, uh, does that make sense to, to, to parlay to your point, Liam? Dude, I think you just actually hit the nail on the head and, um, you know, you could either hit your head into a brick wall or you could learn, right? And yeah. this is something that I was a losing MMA better for a while, tracking my bets. And I always encourage people to track your bets because yeah. how do you know if you're good at anything if you're not tracking, right? So I, I keep track of my bets and you could go look at the graph. It was not very good. Right. And I was doing things like laying a lot of chalk, right? Like betting on big favorites. I was, uh, you know, my I, I think it's ironic, but like, when I was bad at, or like really, really bad at sports betting, I my biggest bets, my most confident bets would always be the ones that would lose. I would never win a, a confident bet. It was like always a square uh -huh. side, right? right. And that's kind of how that's kind of how it is. Like unless you really start gaming this out and saying like, how do we get here? And for me, I look for how can I get a big return for a minimal risk? And that doesn't mean that I take a minimal risk, but it's what is the least amount that right. I could risk for the biggest earn? Um, that's what I look for. Uh, I look for opportunities to make a big plus EV move. Um, now, I also have a more risk-prone strategy, right? So you can go look, again, uh, I track all my results. I've had negative 20 unit nights. Uh, I think it's only happened to me once. I had a reverse sweep on uh, UFC Columbus. I was there in person watching my money just burn oh. in my pocket. Right, oh. brutal, brutal. Like not a good way to take in your first UFC live in person, watching oh. all your money go out the window. I encourage you guys don't bet on your first event in person. But uh, yeah. <laughs> I will say, man, it's just the kind of thing where you put yourself in smaller spots at bigger plus money. Long term, you will make more money, even if you're not as good at picking fights. That's the truth. That is because truth. It's very true. It's man. a crazy sport. Random stuff happens. I mean, people. Yeah. How many people bet on Yuri round five sub? Not many, but I know a guy who did, and he was confident about it. Like, th like this is this is how this stuff works. If you take enough shots and you go yeah. to plus money angles, you can win. If you just lay huge hammers on on favorites, eventually the bill is going to come due. You got to be right like eighty percent of the time. You know, it's just like good yeah. good luck. Th that guy, I'll shake his hand. Yeah, yeah, no, no, that's true. That's very true. Um, let's push through. I know there's some more winning bets and whatnot, but we'll try to push through the rest of this faster. This was uh, the other thing that came through for me that saved my night. Jim Miller inside the distance. Guillotine choke round two. 
Um, I believe he round one round one, if memory serves correct. It was, it, you know, uh, am I wrong there? Uh, you know, did he have an argument for round one? I know it was a bit, a bit competitive. No, he got, he got, he got tagged a few times as well. Definitely on the outside, had a hard time getting in. So maybe it was a tight I think round. You could definitely score it for him. It was a close enough round. To be honest, there were so many fights. Can't that remember. was one that kind of went by me in a blur. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I remember the the retirement. I remember that guillotine. But man, it was like an event after my own heart. Like we got a Jersey guy, you know, showing up, uh, Northeast yeah. represent, uh, and he gets the guillotine. Uh, my my coach, uh, Jiu Jitsu coach, used to train with the Miller brothers as well. Oh wow! Um, so. Absolutely! Shout out! Nice. Uh, shout out those guys. Um, stud performance from Jim Miller. That guillotine was very tight, and Cowboy needed to flat back himself. Did not do it in time, and that's the bill. You know, that's the, when the bill will come due. He's a good grappler, but he made one positional mistake, and it's too late. You know, once mm -hmm. you start thinking like, "Oh, I should do it," now it's too late because Jim at one point was not in an optimal position to finish. He was. They're both on their hip, right? And I, yeah. the guillotine is my favorite move. So this is one I, I can. Uh, speak to it's like if you're both on a hip you can finish but it's very hard I'm like where am I gonna get my squeeze from I can't get leverage off the ground I can't push into them I can't really control them but then Cowboy tried to come up on top of them and that's actually gonna just make it worse then Jim sitting on a hip like yeah. pulling into it it just became brutal fast and yeah uh, Thank you, Cowboy, for the memories, man. Uh, a lot of great fights, but it's Jimmy Miller signing that four-fight extension, and he's going to UFC 300. Right, and it's not to uh, S on Cowboy or Cowboy fans or anything like that, um, but I do believe this was the optimal outcome because if you look at it, one guy want, clearly still still want. They're both old dogs, granted. They both uh, are in the winners of their career, granted, but one guy still wants to go. The other guy, to his own admission, doesn't. So it would have been a shame if... Um, you know, uh, Jim Miller uh, takes a last-minute fight when you know the UFC pulls the contract stuff and leaves him in no man's land, which he technically still is now that this fight has come to completion. So I hope the UFC does the right thing, keeps him on contract uh, to UFC 300, regardless of what happens, and just gives him the option to decide if he wants to fight or not. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Um, it it did just look like that, you know. I I felt like even still in this fight, Cowboy. Looked to be a little bit better at just range management. Uh, you know, he was landing the kicks uh, from the outside, but it was not a spirited effort from Cowboy, truth be told. And uh, no. that's just the way it is. You know, uh, like difference between uh, Cowboy and Robbie, substantial, right? Spirited effort from Robbie. Didn't turn out his way. Nobody could criticize that. You know, I think that it's better for Cowboy to walk away so we can celebrate the memories after this one as opposed to having to be critical. Right, and talk about the fight itself, which was an uninspired effort. Yep, yep. Uh, let's move to the next fight. Ian Machado, Gary. Machado, what is he? I'm here to, I'm not here to be part Brazilian. I'm here to take over. Uh, <laughs> Gary uh, defeated Gabe Green, I guess. I don't know. I don't know. I'm sorry. I'm just, I'm, I'm flowing here. Uh, I didn't watch too much of this fight, to be honest. Um, I, I don't know if... I, don't, like, I was I was eating some really good 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 barbecue with my girl at this point, and I don't know if she listened to the podcast, but she kept going like Gary. <laughs> I was like, I just kept laughing. I was like, I kept doing that on my podcast with the Hi Gary. Uh, but yeah, he won. Did you catch this fight? Did you have anything on this fight, Ian? Or, uh, Liam, sorry, Ian. I'm reading Ian. Uh, I, oh. I don't know if you could see that, folks, but oh, I'm holding it upside down, anyways. Uh, Ian Gary. 
slammed a bag for the kid. Um, nice. Nice. I did have him on the money line here for 3.4 units, and uh, I took him to win by knockout as well um, at, at the plus 340 tag, and unfortunately was not able to deliver there. I saw Dave Mason from Bet Online tweet out uh, the most uh, vulnerability they had on any one prop on the fight was Gary by knockout. I was like, oh, well, that one's out the window. And, uh, you know, just he, he really beat the heck out of him, I thought, in terms of, um, you know, the damage to the face. I thought Gabe Green, you know, Heart and toughness, not a problem for Gabe Green. Like, sure. the guy's very good uh, at coming forward, bringing the pressure. He did put a lot of pressure on on Gary. He's a weird fighter, man. Like, Gabe Green was throwing three outside low kicks at a time. I've never seen anybody else in MMA do that or even attempt it, I don't think. Like, I'm talking about, like, multiple times in the fight, stepping outside and then throwing that, that, that. Like, just trying to rapid-fire low kicks. It was a weird, weird fight. Uh, but I just thought Ian Gary was a lot more... Uh, you know, orthodox. Like he, I, I don't mean uh, the stance. I just mean like the guy was fighting a more normal game plan uh, for MMA, throwing straight shots at the face, looking for intercepting knees if the guy got too close. Um, I just thought he did more sensible work. You know, he, he just landed cleaner, more efficient techniques, moved around the guy. His footwork was better and uh, he had more physical attributes again. So it's like, I don't like to take into account physical attributes, but it's like there's a reason I don't go to try and make a living in a cage fighting. My height and reach is not optimal, right? My my weight distribution is very suboptimal. Don't for remind me. It's like it's the, don't remind it's me. the truth. Don't but remind it, me, buddy. I'm, I'm I know, so man. I know. <laughs> but it, it's something where I recognize that about myself, and I work super hard in martial arts to to get good at my skills and to to use the tools that I do have. I'm strong as an ox for for my size, you know, like certain things like but not everybody is that way. I'm not that fast. I I'm foot slow. You got to be cognizant of things about yourself and about the people you're betting on and Ian Gary, you could love him, you could hate him, you could think he's cringy. I don't care. He's a good fighter. I don't care. So like I watch him and I say, "Oh, he can move out of the way of strikes." When he gets hit, he doesn't cower away. He's not like, oh, no, I need to get out of here. He's like, oh, all right, we're fighting now. Like, And then he starts swinging back hammers at you that knock you out, like if you're Jordan Williams, you know? Or you try and pursue him like Darian Weeks and try and get in there and wrestle him a little bit, and he's using his judo hips. He's not going over. He's he's keeping his balance. So I just felt like he's a better prospect right now, today, than Gabe Green is, uh, more, more put together with more advantages, more ready sure. to go out the box, and he's young. So yep. he's going to continue to make improvements. He's had a good camp. Um, the fade will come. Not yeah. Today. Yep. Yeah. I, I, that, that's why I picked him here over Green, but I didn't play. Um, I got to take my medicine here, man. Uh, Duplessis uh, defeats Brad Tavares via unanimous decision for his first unanimous decision win. Um, man, I uh, and again, it was you know with all due respect, but I felt the opposite way. I felt like. Uh, uh, you know, as far as decision guys go, veterans uh, or Tavares in particular, I just feel like this guy always gets disrespected. Uh, you know, uh, via the betting lines, um, breakdowns and whatnot. And I just I feel like he, if he was able at this point of his career to to uh, stand up to the shots, multiple hard hooks of uh, Omari Ahmedov, Durka Durka, uh, my guy over there. He looks like a tank, by the way, in person, Omari. Um, I felt like, you know, my guy Brad Tavares, uh, you know, he could withstand it. And I was right on that, but kind of like Paiva last week, another dog on the undercard I took a shot on, like, I was picking, like, the, uh, 
you know, the guy, the builder, you know, the, the deceptively more experienced building decision guy over the opportunistic, I need to finish early guy, right? But what happened was the builder guy who usually gets off to a bad start and builds late, both those guys got off to a good start and it was almost like, like Paiva and with Tavares, like it almost like threw them off or something. And, uh, and, uh, you know, he had you know, not let, he didn't willingly do it, but you know, yeah, you could accuse him of letting back uh, Duplessis back into the fight and Duplessis, even though his body language was doing him no favors, um, his improvements and, and his potency and his punches, uh, kept him more than alive in that fight, man. And, um, yeah, I was betting. I'm biased in multiple ways for Tavares, but I scored it for Duplessis. No, 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 no issues with the score. Yeah, I would tend to agree, um, and almost reluctantly so. You know, I, I let you know before the fight. Um, yeah, you showed your receipts, I, man. You showed your work. Yeah, and, and it, it was a, a fight where the reason I ended up getting to the other side is because when I think of Brad Tavares, I'm like, if you are trying to grapple this guy, you're dead. And what does Duplessis come out and do? Like a six IQ fighter. He's out yeah. there just shooting takedown yep. after takedown. Yeah. But I, truth be told, and I did call this on the live uh, Pub Sports radio stream, I, I thought that he got hurt to the body by one of the early shots thrown by Brad Tavares. He threw like an uppercut to the body, and Duplessis was like running in to try and hit him, got hit with that uppercut to the body, and he was like, it's time to wrestle. And he just started wrestling, wrestling, wrestling. It did not look good. It was sloppy. He got taken down. Uh, Brad, you know, he looked good on top. Uh, he looked fine. Um, but what I think is that Duplessis, he hits very, very hard. He's an extremely awkward character. And he also throws yeah. weird kicks, but he's very effective with them. And he throws them even like he's one of these guys that starts to look tired early. And I can relate to these guys because truth be told, I used to start running and 10 seconds in, I'm, <gasps> but I'll just keep running and yeah. I'll just be faster than people. Yeah. So it's like I, I do know those guys and I relate to them. And yeah. I think that he's kind of like that. You know, he looks like. Like he's like deer in headlights when he's fighting too, but then he just goes and hits somebody with something that looks weird and they fall over or start stumbling or they, they start wearing the damage. And I really felt like that was the problem for Tavares here. It's not like he did no shortage of good work. You know, he landed a bunch of good strikes. Uh, he was effective in finding his shots all night. But one guy just hit so much harder and he was doing so much more impact every time he was landing. And I did think that ultimately, um, you know, if I if I could say like one thing that I think would make Tavares a better fighter is just to find a finishing position, to find something that you could try and like impose a a fight ending sequence with more frequency. Because the guy is he's no shortage of physical skills. He comes in, he looks right, great. Yeah. You know, he's uh, big and strong, and he's talented, and he competes with everybody. Nobody really blows this guy out the water. So I just think. Uh, finding that one little edge of dynamism where he could put a fight to bed, uh, especially if he gets to a good position, I think that would, would be a world of difference for him because he's he's such a good fighter, man. And I, I think the next fight for Brad Tavares, whomever it's against, is probably going to be a wonderful betting opportunity when everybody's ready to write this guy off and say, oh, Brad Tavares, he just got beat by Duplessis. That guy only had two fights in the UFC. And you can yep. already start to hear the narratives forming. Oh, yeah. It's fine. I can't wait to bet him again as an underdog yeah. and to bet him to win by decision. Yeah. Glorious cash when it happens. Yeah, and by the way, again, uh, Liam's always a good dude, shows his work. And uh, in my break breakdown, I said that, you know, if you got Duplessis the opener, dog money, 
or close to it, that's a different story. You did, my man. Uh, but when I saw the line just completely flip where, you know, he opens minus 130 and I got Tavares at plus 143, that's that's over a dollar uh, in flippage territory. I mean, the value, you know, someone said, you know, the value argument, you were in a close fight, you know, you were on the dog. And I'm like, yeah, thank you. That, you know, that, that helps. But at the same time, I'm also a winning bet's a winning bet, no value in a losing bet kind of a guy. I, I'm also a bit on that uh, on that side of the school as well. Um, so, uh, but, but yeah, yeah, I definitely could justify the shot I took. But uh, that was definitely a worry. that wins round one, I think, is plus EV. I do. I truly believe that if you can find underdogs that win round one, especially if you have access to live betting markets, that's right. an extremely plus EV move. Right. And uh, it was really weird because, like, you know, Tavares is one of the dogs I picked, but he opened as a favorite. So, like, I, I feel like I technically only had, like, one um, underdog maybe this card which was weird you know uh, you know as far as like people who opened as an underdog but uh but yeah man uh grats on that uh hopefully my my guy Brad uh you know is not too down on it and can see the adjustments um I know uh coach Eric Nixick is probably already uh you know uh kind of has the dynamic down you can even hear him calling for you know we needed more volume needed more volume like he knew what they needed as far as um in the corner there uh next fight Andre Muniz defeated Uriah Hall via the enemy's decision. I'm glad I didn't pull the trigger uh, and I got priced out. It wasn't that sexy even at plus 250, but it was plus 175 by the time I got done recording my podcast as far as round one sub. Uh, and it wasn't for Muniz's lack of trying, you know. Um, and this wouldn't have mattered because the under never hit in the main event, but this was one of the unders that didn't hit in my long shot parlay. Um, but the guy I picked, right, uh, Juan, which was Muniz, any any uh, bets going into this one, Liam? Thoughts? Um, so, you know, the, the line kind of got away from us here a little bit. Um, now, certainly, in hindsight, it uh, looks very, very clear, like uh, Muniz was the side, right? Like, he completely yeah. dominated the action. But there is always that chance that he could have been knocked out. You know, he was underneath um, for about 15, 20 seconds, eating hard strikes to end the second round. Uh, I still thought he won the round, but uh, just as like a um, a, a piece of uh, the Uriah Hall backers puzzle, you know, he did get some opportunities, and when he had them, he, he fired off some shots. But, uh, you know, respectfully, I, I thought that that was more of a try not to get finished type of performance. You know, one of the trends I've noticed um, – is that if somebody's submission line opens at like a minus 110, run away. Just run yeah. away. It's yeah. done. It's yeah. done. It's cooked. Yeah. Um, yep. Bet the decision and move on. <laughs> you know, it's just like yeah. because you're you're cooked on that. Uh, it happened to Gunnar Nelson, and now it happens again with Muniz. I, I, I truly believe those are um, trap spots more often than not. You know, the, they'll offer you, you know, plus 200 on Hadolfo Vieira by some. Uh, or whatever. Yeah. It, and, and so – if you can actually find value on these sub props, that's that's good. But if you're having to, you know, just like, uh, you know, Paul at the, yes. that for me yeah. is tough. And so the the minus one fifteen was my sign to stay away from this fight um, personally. But Andre Muniz on the money line clearly the side uh, after the fact, right? Uh, I think that if you got involved on the Muniz decision line at plus six hundred, that was a great plus EV bet. I did identify it like I knew that it had value and I didn't play it I don't know I don't I don't know why I I'm sitting here after the fact like right. I probably should have played that yeah but uh that's life and also I saw Muniz earlier this week at minus 250 on bet MGM and I was like 
like, you know, doing a little bit of chin stroke and whatever, I wake up the next morning is minus 315. I'm like, oh, okay, so ship sailed. Yep, yep, Tough. it happens. <laughs> All right, last two fights, I'll read them both off. Uh, you tell me if you had anything on them. Uh, Jessica, I was defeated by uh, Macy Barber, which uh, brace your ears. I, I forgot to do my uh, my Macy Barber last podcast. where I, All she hears every time I talk is just like, I'm Macy Barber, I'm the future. <laughs> and it, to be fair, it, it, to her own admission, she doesn't fucking listen to anybody either because she's like, I was in the city center because I'm Macy Barber, and I'm the future. I'm just like, oh god, shoot me! And uh, Jessica, and my poor, my, my poor girl, Je- Je- Jessica Rose Clark, got armbarred by Julie Justorialenko. Um, I, I, I didn't bet any of those fights, thank goodness. Um, uh, no offense if you any of y'all did. Uh, what, what do you got on those fights, Liam? Before we get out of here. So uh, this one, I, I will have to take the victory lap on. I nice. did get to a. Uh, a play on Julisa Stoliarenko nice. uh, on the money line at plus 155. I did bet on her to win by submission at plus 500. I did bet on her to win by submission in the first round at plus 1200. I did cash that bet out and then bet it at a different house at plus 1400 for a bigger bet. So oh Julisa Stoliarenko shipped me the bag and the round robin that I was telling you about was a sub prop on uh, Plus 700, rounds one or two, Julisha Stoliarenko wins by sub. Uh, plus 950, Jalen Turner wins by sub, rounds one or two. And you know which one didn't come through for me, ironically, in this round robin and in a $2 parlay to win like over $1,000. Do you know which one didn't come through for me? Muniz. Andre Muniz sub in round one or two at plus 120. What a joke. What a joke. Muniz is uh, too good to be goodness. true. I should have taken Jimmy Miller. What was I thinking? I know. A lot of us uh, were thinking it was going to be KO. I, I didn't bet it, and I don't mean to rub people in who did, but I got a lot of tweets saying people got greedy and went for the KO, and I can't hate on them, Liam, because we've all been there. We've all gotten greedy and uh, gotten burned. You know, I used to, like I used to say in a uh, what was it? I would use I would play as Rodney Mullen. It was Tony Hawk's Pro Skater. Uh, whenever I was playing the Chicago skate park, you do the thing where you you go over the half pipe and through the glass thing on the top, and you grind around and you combo it. And uh, when you're playing with your friends, you're getting competitive, especially when you'd play in the same room back in the day. You, you know, they'd be like on their fourth part of the combo, hitting a different grind, be like getting greedy, Liam. You're getting greedy. You're trying to get in their head when messing them up while they're playing. Liam's playing like, shut up, shut up, shut up. And you make them fall like, ah, you got greedy. You got greedy. That's us when we bet, when you bet the, the method and it, and it doesn't pay off, right? You're like, ah. Oh, my goodness. Oh, I, I tell people all the time, try to diversify uh, your risk. So I, if I yeah. bet on somebody to win by sub uh, or something like that, I bet on their money line. I yeah, bet so coverage, for Julisa Stoliarenko, yeah. if she had gotten a, a decision win, I'm not going to be crying in my coffee, you know, because I bet all this money on her sub props and it didn't come through. So that for me is a lesson I've learned from going that way and and having it bite me. So I'd rather make a, a full-hearted position that I'm confident in and lose outright on all of it than I would to, you know, uh, like half-ass for, for me on, on some of them. Because, like, if I just play the, like, point two on, on a, a sub prop, if I think there's, like, 50% value or something, like, some of these uh, submission lines are busted. Like, just, yeah. like, make no mathematical sense uh, sure. based on their, their – I mean, for, for Julisa Stoliarenko, do you know how many wins she has? Yeah, it's all armbar Nine. Wins. 
Yep. Do you know how many? Or uh, after tonight, she has ten. So do you know how many of them are by armbar in the first round? Nine. Ten. Or nine, yeah, nine. nine of them in the first rounds, right? Yep, like, yeah. And, and the math, the math says she should be minus one fifteen on the sub, not yep. the other way around. And, and she was plus five hundred. And then there's the un, then there's the unwritten math. I want to shout out my guy Brazchuk, who uh, some of the best blind bets in MMA, um, as he puts it, Fatty's gonna fatty uh, betting heavyweight overs. He parlayed all the heavyweight overs in PFL, uh, and like and like for over a plus one thousand and cashed it. It was sick. And oh, that's glorious. Another blind one for the opposite end, um, down in weight and uh, a, other, a different gender, um, the WMMA, you, you bet the round one sub on the dog. You know, there's going to be an upset. It's probably going to be a round one submission armbar. Uh, bet that. And that's just, you know, and then you got Easy the girl. Breach. Right, Easy breach. Easy yeah. for him. So, Truly. So I, wanna, I wanted to shout that. Liam, um, that, that was the card. Uh, thank you guys for joining. Thanks for uh, like the video, subscribe. Last thing, uh, real quick. Uh, Herb Dean is the gold standard of the chat. Says Volkanovski just said in the press conference that in the second Holloway fight, Usada woke him up five hours before he was supposed to wake up. And he basically fought with no sleep. Uh, so the, the 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 closer fight, I guess Volk fought with no sleep. Wow. Okay. Sorry. I thought that he I thought he was, said that about this card tonight. I guess that was the second fight. Uh, Furio MMA, glad I found a solid recap show. Uh, we'll, we'll try to do it more, man. There's a, there's a, there's a void to fill, both for uh, after, mainly for Sunday. And the great thing is, you can listen to this Sunday, uh, even on the Protecting Neck podcast feed. I'm probably gonna edit since it's episode 316. I'm gonna follow suit, and I'm gonna probably, uh, you know, you you know, have some glass shattering to kick this uh, show off <laughs> with Liam here. Um, thank you guys for joining. Like the video, subscribe. Daniel Tom MMA on YouTube. Uh, at Liam Picks Fights. Liam, the floor is yours before we get out of here to plug. Say whatever you want before we go. Episode 316 says, UFC 276, I just whipped your ass. Uh, and that's the truth. Uh, I whipped the ass of UFC 276 tonight. Uh, was a big win, but it's always right back to work for me as far as I'm concerned. You know, I work very hard at what I do. Uh, I appreciate everybody that supports me. You guys can find all my work at Liam Picks Fights on Twitter, uh, at Liam Picks Fights on Instagram. You can find me on YouTube as well. Do a show every week um, where I break down MMA fights. I bring on uh, great guests, um, very smart people, all from around the industry, uh, and you know, been giving out a ton of winners for free this year on my show. Um, so truly appreciate everybody that, that stops by and checks it out. Um, and every time, uh, I'm always gonna bring my best, but truthfully, I started by learning from really smart analysts like my man Dan Tom over here. Uh, so truly, I'd be nothing in the knowledge of the striking game. Uh, I wouldn't know to look at their record against Southpaws. Like all these different little keys that I've learned uh, from always being uh, humble and coachable and trying to go out there and, and become better at this every week. It's very hard to win. That's the truth. If you want to win long term, it's got to be uh, reading to lead. Uh, you've got to be smarter. Uh, you got to get more information, and you got to always be learning from your mistakes. So, uh, if you had a tough week this week, it's no problem because good guys rise uh, right back to work. I always say, and uh, I'm not going to rest on my laurels. Straight back at it, and uh, we'll we'll do it again next week. I'm going to go for a 10-8 round next week as well. 
Man, why didn't WWF slash WWE get like real grapplers and good guys like you, Liam? Uh, you know, instead we had like guys who like drove drunk behind the wheel more than they wrestled, which was Stone Cold. You know, like he was intoxicated, talk talked in the third person. Like now that I think about, you know, Stone Cold Steve Austin, if you don't if you don't subscribe to this channel, Stone Cold Steve Austin's gonna do to you what I did to Vince. Then then I'm gonna go down, get intoxicated, drive your kids home from practice, and make them listen to NPR. What do you think about that? <laughs> God damn it. So, <laughs> so uh, yeah. Stone Cold's rolling through this yeah. episode. <laughs> yeah, if you don't want Stone Cold to uh, to drive <laughs> to drive your kids home drunk and do other bad things, um, go follow uh, my guy at Liam Fix Fights. Follow me at Dan Tom MMA at the PYM Podcast on all social platforms. Um, I'll give you guys shout uh, uh, by name for the PayPal donations. Appreciate those. Secure links in my link tree. Uh, on social platforms or mixmars.com that supports this year's show. Uh, there's also click-throughs for like crappy companies there that if you want to, you know, go go click through and shop. No extra cost will get kicked back to hear this year program. Um, just appreciate all the love and support it's really kept me going. It's been some hard weeks for a lot of different reasons, and I wear my heart on my sleeve, unfortunately. Like I saw a bunch of people this week, and like I love it, but it's like you know it's bad when people are like, "Hey man, you okay?" Like I'm fine, I'm fine. So I appreciate the love, really. Um, I'll give proper shout-outs and a proper recap of this crazy fight week as far as, like, the outside of the fight stuff. Liam, thank you for joining me for the fight stuff inside of the Octagon. I'm glad we made it out alive and with some ducats in our pocket, especially in your case. Hopefully the rest of you all did well and were able to protect your neck. Uh, And on that note, since I already stepped on the outro line, uh, I'm just going to get out of here. Peace. Peace.